Welcome to the Filmed Live Musicals Podcast, a podcast about stage musicals that have been legally filmed and publicly distributed. The Filmed Live Musicals website contains information on nearly 200 musicals that have been captured live. Check it out at filmedlivemusicals.com. And now, on with the show. This week's guest is dancer and choreographer Barry Busby. Barry has performed and worked as associate choreographer at theatres across the United States, including Lyric Theatre of Oklahoma, Muni, Paper Mill Playhouse, and the Kennedy Center. He was the associate choreographer on the off-Broadway productions of Peace of My Heart at Signature Center, and two musicals in the City Center Encore series, Call Me Madam and Hey Look Me Over. Barry was associate choreographer and dance captain on the Broadway musicals Honeymoon in Vegas, Sunset Boulevard, Tootsie, and the filmed live musical Holiday Inn. Welcome, Barry. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining today. (laughs) How did you become a dancer? I started dancing from a very early age. I was, um, I think, in third or fourth grade. How old are you then? I don't even remember. But I, I definitely remember it was like the end of third grade going into fourth grade. I did this camp. And it was like a summer camp that my mom put me in. And it, you, every, it was for three weeks. And each week you did something different. So like the first week was like, I don't know, you're on the newspaper team and you're making a newspaper. And the second one, I don't even remember. But the third one was definitely a performing one. And the lady at the end of it, we did a performance. And the lady told my mom, you need to get him to this school. So we ended, She, my mom ended up taking me to the school that this lady, well, I don't even know her name. I wish I knew her name now. <laughs> um, it's to this place called Hits, which is in Houston, the Houston International Theater School. And I went and saw a performance of theirs, which was all kids, and they didn't have the rights to cats, so they called it Cats, Cats, and More Cats. <laughs> but it was cats. And I, uh, I instantly was like, I have to do this. So then that kind of led me that gave me the bug for theater at least and then just right after that like the the head of that program at hits was like you should be in dance you should be taking all sort of idioms um and so i definitely my i was like mom i have to take dance that's what they tell me i have to do so i started uh it was right around then as well probably it was so it was probably third uh fourth grade i started with tap and ballet and then I would do all the jazz classes and um, but I would go to the studios and I'd be like I don't want to do any recitals I just want to learn I ended up doing some recitals yeah that's kind of how it started why didn't you want to do the recitals there was something because I was I was always like I want to do the hits shows I want to do the musicals and the recitals were like I, I'm, I'm there to dance and 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 gain and train you know and get as much knowledge and soak that in but I don't want to take away from my rehearsals for the other shows so I was already wheeling and dealing at that age um, <laughs> but I ended up you know like loving the recitals and having a good time I also think like back then there was a stigma with being a boy I mean I was probably one of two boys in the whole studio of hundreds of girls and you know there was this you know this is a long time ago now I won't say how long but you know it's <laughs> There was a stigma, too. I'm sure me as that little boy was like, oh, I don't want to be seen in a recital and things like that, which like today, which is so amazing. There's so many more opportunities and and these dance programs are so more they're they're evolving so well that, you know, that that would be kind of a, a welcoming scenario these days. But back then it was not. 
So I'm sure there was that element too, not to get too deep into it, but, you know, but also like, I just didn't want to miss rehearsals for, I don't know, Oliver. (laughs) The musical is your main priority. (laughs) Yes, it was. What brought you to New York? I knew, so also growing up, I was a competitive swimmer and there eventually there came a and I could not do both. I could not maintain the practices and going to rehearsals or, you know, training for that. So I chose theater, of course, and to much of my, <laughs> my dad did not want me to do that, but now he's like all on board and doesn't, doesn't think about swimming at all. But I knew once I started training that I was like, I have to go to New York. I mean, that's the Mecca for like musical theater. And fortunately enough, my mom and dad were wonderful growing up and we traveled a lot and we would come to New York, if not once a year, twice a year. Wow. And we would just go. And even if it was for three days, I'd see six shows. I'd see, you know, if there was a matinee in the (laughs) evening, I would go and we would just jam pack. And my brother would like drag his feet to go see all these shows. And, you know, he would do his stuff too and go to the baseball stadiums and stuff. But, you know. I was fortunate enough. So like, you know, I think my first trip to New York was sixth grade and we went every year since then. And I was like, I have to be here. Like I have to be here. So like, it was kind of ingrained in me very early on. So when I went to, for, to the university of Oklahoma for musical theater, my mom was like, and I was like, I was like, I'm going to move to New York. And she was like, what? No, you can't. And I was like, you put this in me. You know what I mean? Like you, you set this up. You set the stage, for lack of a better term. Um, or you know, and so, uh, and then now, you know, they love coming up here, and so I, I knew I was coming to New York very early on. It was the only option. It's it is like you said, it's Mecca. Yeah, theater Mecca. When you were growing up, apart from coming to New York, were you watching musicals, like movie musicals or musicals on screen? as like to fill the gap in between coming to New York? Yeah. I mean, I wasn't a huge musical watcher as the, as a kid, like, especially on the movies. I mean, I love singing in the rain. Like I would play that, like wear that VHS tape out. (laughs) Um, I was oddly obsessed with Starlet Express as a kid. It's like even one of my old, AOL accounts, which is now a junk email, is like Rusty, who is that character in Starlight <laughs> Express. And my brother made it, and I'm sure he was like, he loves Starlight Express, so I'll make it Rusty 454, you know, whatever it is. Were you listening and, to the uh, cast recording? Well, so there, here's another. So the the hits, the theater that did Cats, Cats, More Cats, I wasn't in Cats, Cats, More Cats, but <laughs> the, the first show I did with them was Starlight Express. Gotcha. Which is, you know, as a going like I said third fourth grader and I played Rusty and so I think that just stuck with me that I just like that that's what kind of like that was the first seed in this musical theater growth and I think that's just kind of stuck with me and I've always had that's always that show has always held a special place in my heart I know every every lyric and um so like I didn't really watch a lot of musicals on tape like I said singing in the rain because like I was going to New York and I was seeing the shows and I wanted to see them live and I wanted to do them and I wanted to but you know I de- I've definitely seen the movie musicals and you know adore them and I think I have much more of an appreciation for them now than I did as a kid because I was just like I just want to be in it I don't want to watch it I want to be in it you know 
Have you uh, heard of the Starlight Express Theater in Germany? I have. So another story, because my parents are amazing, and I adore them. When in fifth grade, <laughs> they knew I was obsessed with Starlight Express. So I got taken out of school. I didn't even know what it was. I mean, I knew it was my birthday in, in May. And I can't come outside. And my mom's car is said Vegas bound. And that's when the Starlight Express company was in Vegas. And she took me out of school and we flew for the weekend. And we had <laughs> like, I think it was like the whole theater was taken over. I remember it. But we were like kind of front row in it and we saw Starlight Express in Vegas. My mom stayed, I went to bed and my mom I was like, mom, I have to get their autographs and my, I think Rochelle Rack was in that company. You know, I have to look back. And <laughs> she stayed and got like Rusty and Pearl and all their signatures for me, which are still in my childhood home wall. And <laughs> um, so, but yes, I know about the one in Germany because I'm like, I still, as a 34 year old, 35 year old, I just, I'm 35 now, um, <laughs> would want to go and see it and like relive that. And that's like original stuff. Like that's like, that's been there for a minute. Yeah. I wish they would record something there because it looks incredible. Oh, it's so cool. I mean, if they did, I'm sure that one's way better than what they did in Vegas. And Vegas was amazing. Like, they had all these ramps that went through and right past you in the audience. And, like, I'm sure it cost, like, $3 trillion, which is why it probably didn't do too well here. <laughs> but, um, and it's also a very specific show. <laughs> it's, it's, yes. A, it's very specific. <laughs> you you need a lot of excellent uh, ice skaters, rollerbladers, people that can yes. move on wheels. Yeah. <laughs> Which is so funny because when I did it at Hits, like we didn't do it on skates and they had these like rubber band, like little loops. They looked like, they're like thick rubber bands. I don't know. And we would hook them to our belt loops and we would hold on to each other. And that was what made our train. And we would like run up. I have, I that's the one video we have them all, but like that's the one video I have digitally because the friend that I did it with had it and put all of our videos that we did as kids and I have it like on my computer. I would love to yeah. see that. <laughs> oh yeah, I'll send you a clip. Yes, please. Uh, what led you from being a dancer and wanting to be on the stage to choreography? Another thing, I, I kind of always knew that that was going to be in the cards too, especially once I started to get older in college. Um, I mean, as a kid, of course, like I said, I always wanted to be on the stage. I wanted to be center stage, you know, all that stuff. But when I got into college, I kind of like, even my professor who I was very close to, Lynn Kramer, was like, you're going to choreograph one day. You're going to, you just have the mindset for that. And I think even our senior year, I was like, I don't want to be in the musical. I just kind of want to assist you and blah, blah, blah. And she was like, okay. So she let me choreograph two numbers and anything goes and our senior year. And I kind of just, I loved it. Like I loved the creativity. And I also learned when I went to New York, so I booked um, White Christmas kind of three weeks after I got there and the, the tour and, and, and it's from connections that I knew and I had worked in the summers for college and stuff like that. So I, I, I knew Kelly Barkley. And um, so I did that show for three years, you know, for the holiday season. And I kind of, not just that show, but that kind of showed me in other ways that one, my body was getting really tired, you know, doing eight shows a week and all that stuff and tapping and hard on your body and things like that. And 
I also started to see myself being like, oh, I don't really want to do the show tonight. And I'm like, wait, that's not the kid in me that had that fire and had all that. And it didn't mean that I didn't love musical theater still. I think my idea of it was broadening in a way. I was like, well, I think I need to find a different facet of it. Um, and so I had ended up doing, but with Dennis Jones, I did at um, Tuts, I did Meet Me in St. Louis. And um, we had a great working relationship. And I was like, I reached out to him afterwards and I was like, if you ever need someone, I would love to assist you. I'm kind of, you know, in between right now. And he reached back and like, I now I've been an associate for almost nine years. So it's, and I have learned through that as well, that it's not that I don't love performing because I, I still do have that fire as a kid. And I love being on stage. I don't like the eight show week or like doing one track. I get really bored. And I never, I, I pledged early on that I never wanted to be that person that was on stage. We've all seen them on stage marking and like miserable. Like that's not what theater is about. Go do something else. You know what I mean? Like that is not, that's, that's unacceptable in my opinion, mm-hmm. um, especially for what the ticket prices are and it's Broadway or it's no matter where you are in the world. Like if you don't want to perform, no one's forcing you to do that. You know what I mean? So and there's a thousand people lighting up behind you to take yes, that spot. <laughs> yes. And so I never wanted to be that person. And I saw glimpses of it early on that I was like, Oh, what, what's wrong? I'm like not feeling this. And like, then I started to be his associate and I started swinging and I loved it. Like, that's where I was like, okay, well this is where, not a lot of people say that, but I was like, this is where I kind of feel I still get to perform. There's a huge adrenaline rush. And I feel super creative because I'm never going to get bored with any sort of track. And so I, that's kind of how that all, this is a long-winded answer for your question, but like, that's kind of how it all sort of transitioned into choreography. I kind of knew that my senior year of college, that it was going to happen eventually. I didn't know how fast it was going to happen. And then I fell into kind of swinging as well. Can you explain what being a swing is? Yeah. So um, as a swing, you are covering everyone in the ensemble and principals sometimes. But your main duty is to cover, like, let's say they're, you know, Holiday Inn. There was eight and eight, I believe. And, you know, so we had two male swings and two female swings. And you would cover all of them. Um, if anyone's sick or if any, if a person's bumped up to a principal track and you, you go in for that track. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of the rough (laughs) version (laughs) of what a swing is. They do a lot of things. It's the hardest job I think there is in this business. It's the most stressful job, but it's also really rewarding because you're kind of a superhero at the end. You know what I mean? Like you've, I mean, as long as you've done your job, there's a lot of lead up to it. Like people in the ensemble, they go to rehearsal, they learn their track and then they go home. Whereas like a swing goes to rehearsal, learns a track, but then they have seven more. Plus, you know, it's like, I know friends who have swung shows where they have 16 tracks and they're the only swing. Um, that's not normal, but you know, um, so the job is never ending until you've like literally ripped the bandaid from every track that you've done. And it's funny because I even find in shows like when vacations start to happen and things like if I'm in a track for like 
a week or two, I get that same thing that I'm like, oh, when am I going to do a new track? I'm like getting a little <laughs> bored. I don't mark or anything by that, but I'm, I still have that in me, which tells me I'm like, oh, I'm on the right, I'm in the right track because I know, you know, there are also things about swinging that people should know that, you know, some it's not for everyone. Some people don't have that mind. They don't have that. I mean, I, I'm, I've been lucky enough to be associate as well for some of them. So um, I kind of already know the choreography. It's secondary because I helped create it. Um, <clears throat> but then there are also the elements that people don't think about that sometimes swings aren't on the cast album. Sometimes swings don't get to do the Macy's Parade. Sometimes swings don't get to do all the publicity stuff or the fun things. Um Usually they do, depending on the producer, but sometimes they don't. So sometimes it's a little, there's a little sting there. And just a reminder that, you know, you're not on stage. I don't feel that. <laughs> I mm. think I'm like, oh, okay. You know, I've also been lucky enough that the producers have let us be a part of things. So I haven't really felt, except for the first show, you know, we weren't on the cast album. You know what I mean? Like, and I was like, oh, that stinks. But, you know, it's fine whatever like but some people can't handle that like some people you know that's that's just kind of comes with the territory yeah a lot of colored markers and a lot of grunt work and not much glory <laughs> well when i first started my first show i swung which i was terrified because i just never done it you know i had binders and sticky <laughs> notes and they were color coded and all these things and then you go on which like some people still need that you go on and you're like, I don't have time to look through this. Like, I, I barely have time. So now I have a <clears throat> super cut down version of that, which it's all like on two sheets and it's color coded. It's still, but it's all one place where I can see it. Mm -hmm. And, um, but yeah, when I first started, I had all the bells and whistles and like didn't <laughs> use any of it. Yeah. You mentioned on some of those shows you were associate choreographer. What is the role of an associate? Associates basically the right hand man, woman, whatever, um, to the choreographer or director. Um, and you basically help, you know, some people have different capacities. Dennis and I are very good friends and like best friends, and we work really well together. We can kind of complete each other's sentences, and like in rehearsals, like I would teach everything, and he comes in and he'll tweak things. That's not the norm. A lot of other choreographers teach theirs and then you know the associates really just there to keep the charts and keep the numbers and all that stuff so on top of being in all the pre-pro stuff and you know remembering the stuff just in case they forget um uh i would say in my capacity because you know that's what i can speak to i we'd go into pre-pro and we we create all these steps together i create a lot with him uh, um we're very hand in hand and I remember it. I'm the one to remember it and teach it. Um, and then once we get into rehearsals, you know, I keep the charts, like I said, and make sure I know where everyone is at every time, because then once you get into tech, you're respacing and changing all those numbers. And then ultimately all those notes would lead to what they call the show Bible, which would be like what the producers would use for companies down the road, tours, whatever, whatnot, regional companies, international companies, things like that. Um, but everyone's relationship with the choreographer is very different. Um, I'd, I'd say mine is very unique as Dennis and I are very good friends and, you know, we, which can also butt heads sometimes because we are very close and very stubborn with each other. But we also 99% of the time are super 
loving and we create a very nice room because I think we really enjoy being with each other. And um, we also dance very similarly. So that's kind of usually associates dance kind of like the choreographer because you, you have to, they have to recreate your vision for you. And there are things that like, we'll choreograph and like, Dennis, that does not look good on me. You're going to teach this. So I'll bow out and I'll be like, Dennis is going to teach this because like, I, and eventually I'll get it. But like, you know, there are things that, you know, or there's things that he's like, I can't do that. You have to do that, you know? So um, <clears throat> that's kind of, associates in a nutshell, a Cliff Notes version, mm -hmm. I'd say. When you're in pre-production, how do you go about research? Is it using those show Bibles or is it, do you, are you watching films? How does it work? Well, like research as in like if you're recreating a, a new show or are recreating an old show or doing a new show. So both, it's like, yeah. I can answer both. Um, you know, it's it's hard because when you when you're doing like a revival or something you kind of don't want to reference it but at the same time the structure is there and that's what they wanted you know what i mean there's some things on the paper of like that's just how they wanted it and like that's the structure you can kind of reinvent it and you know add some instruments i guess you know or, or things like that but like for the for the most part like you do want to maintain the integrity of the show and like what they fought for because you know building a new show takes a lot of blood sweat and tears so you never want to like step on something or you know recreate it in a way that's like offensive um so i would say for us like we've never really we've never done a revival but like when we do regional shows and we go internationally and they're like my fair lady and like things like things that people know saturday night fever um Bye Bye Birdie, we were supposed to do at the Kennedy Center, which I can speak to, like, most recently. Um, you know, we had the idea of what Bye Bye Birdie is. Everyone knows that. That's definitely one that I used to watch. And, um, but at the same time, you want to kind of, without stepping on toes, like, there are some things in that show, perfect example, that are a little dated, especially for 2020, you know, and there are ways that you, you could just cut it from the show, I guess, or there are ways to like, is there a way to reconfigure it? Is there a way to make this more relevant and still be respectful to the writers originally? Um, that also comes down to the estate and who owns it and like what you're allowed to do. Usually they're just like, just cut that number, like things like that. But um, so I would say like for those kinds of shows that you're kind of reviving the idea you know, a perfect example is like Dennis and I did like all new choreography for Chorus Line. First time it went to the Muni and then it went to the Signature. I, did, I wasn't able to help with the Signature production, um, but it was kind of the same choreography he and I created for the Muni. And that's daunting. It was a daunting, especially Dennis had done the tour and all that stuff. And But it was interesting because Dennis knew all the original choreography. I'd never done the show, so... I didn't really have any reference and I wasn't going to look, you know, I knew the opening number because everyone's learned that combo. <laughs> but other than that, I didn't really have any reference of actual. And he knew like, I know what this is and he did it with Bayork, like all these things. And I was like, so it was interesting working together because he would do something and I would do something he, and which would have a different spin on it because I had no reference. Mm. So to answer that question about the revival, it's like, it's almost easier to not refer to it. And then maybe look at it later to be like, are we in the ballpark? And usually it kind of isn't the same because, you know, the orchestrations are set, things like that. For a new show, you kind of have a blank canvas. 
which is amazing. I mean, Dennis and I, I've been lucky enough with Dennis to do like three original Broadway shows. So taking them from the ground up with like Jason Robert Brown and Yazbek and, you know, even recreating like old stuff from Irving Berlin, you know, for like all these classics that people know and love, um, but kind of reinventing them and things like that, where like you kind of can just throw whatever you want at the wall and see what works. You know, you have a whole creative team that has opinions as well. And I will say in the, not that there is one, but if there was choreography is probably lowest on the totem pole. You know what I mean? Like we, because ultimately they're like, we need to cut something from the show, cut that eight count, cut that, you know, things like that, which is happens often. Mm-hmm. It's not that it's not important, but you know, it just ends up, you know, your show usually comes out at three, four hours and you're like, we have to get it to two. Um, <laughs> and everyone, you know, so the blank canvas of that is kind of a really fun thing to approach because you're also, you're not having to, go on someone else's dance arrangements. You're getting in a room, which is one of my favorite parts of a new musical is getting in with the dance arranger. So you have your orchestrator and then you have a person that comes in usually and just does the dance arrangements. Cause they're like, oh, I don't really know what you, not that they couldn't do it, but they're like, get with the choreographer. You have a drummer, you have a pianist and the dance arranger. And you literally, they're like, so in this eight, we're kind of telling this story, um, I can speak most recently to Tootsie. Like we have these marquees and Michael's going to point to them. And that's what he's envisioning himself as playing these parts as Dorothy. Um, And so we get in the room and we just move around and they, you know, it's, it's a riff on what the song already sounds like. So you have a structure at least. And then they start to play these hits and we're like, no, we want to hit there. We want to hit there. And like, it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's special. It's like a, it's a, it's a nice, and it's nice to like, have that voice and be able to do whatever you want at the same time. It's also hard to hone in. Cause you're like, we can do whatever we want. And like, I'm like, <laughs> okay, well we could be, we could be here all day on one eight count, which we've done before. But um, <laughs> so they're, they're very different beasts as far as those two scenarios, but um, both amazing. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Does that, does that answer that question? <laughs> yeah. So would that work in the, a rehearsal room with the dance arranger and the choreographer that's all happening before the cast comes in yes that's all kind of that's all in that kind of pre-pro vein that you would um i mean the dance arranger will still be there um and because you'll be like oh well this once you once you start to run the show and stuff that's what once the cast is there you're like ah we need to rethink this we need to so we go to square one or we put a new song or we do whatever but yes that would mostly all happen at, in the pre-pro stage and usually just the associate, the choreographer, maybe a few dancers and you're kind of creating it on the spot. How much, so how much of the show would be choreographed before the cast comes in? Well, I think it depends on the choreographer. I mean, I know I've been in shows where like, it doesn't feel like they thought about a step, but they're brilliant on their feet. You know what I mean? They're like, let's do this. Let's do that. They thought about it. They just might not have shared it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, we like to go in with, a lot of material we might not have like where they are on stage or what formation they're in um but we definitely have eight counts and things that we can pull from here and there and ideas i mean in pre-pro for tootsie like we had like full numbers ready to go wow um 
because we would, if you're lucky enough, if the producers have are, are generous enough to give you time, usually the dance department has um, workshops or dance labs. And ours was two weeks, but then we had another one. And, you know, you, you're, you're paid, the, all, all the dancers are paid and they're, you know, they get their health weeks and you, you're, but the, it's 10 to six nonstop dancing all day. So it's, it's brutal. Um, and we would create whole numbers with the amount of people that we would have. It wouldn't necessarily be the people on the show. It, auditions might not have even happened. You know what I mean? Um, it's just there to like kind of create, which is fun for the people who weren't in the show because they can come see it. Like a lot of them had other shows and they're like, oh, I can't even come in for it. But, you know, they would come see it and you see like how that came to life or what, how it morphed, you know, because there was there were definitely some things that were in that April lab for Tootsie that made it to Broadway mm-hmm. almost a year and a half, two years later. Wow. So you're creating like yeah. the vocabulary and the, the, yeah. the, the choreography is not set, but it is created in, well in advance. Yes. It's definitely malleable. Like it's, it's not, nothing's like, we're never like, Oh, this is in stone. I mean, there are some things that we love and we're like, we don't want to get rid of this. This is so good. <laughs> like blah, blah, blah. I mean, to us, it might be terrible. We think it's good. Um, you know, but, we hold on to it as much as we can. It's like holiday Inn specifically. Um, I remember going down the street to buy the jump rope, like the original long rope for the, the three to tap dance in at this hardware store down from Ripley Greer. Dennis was like, let's go get a rope or something. And I was like, so I got there. It was like, not even like a jump rope. It was like a, a, a rope. rope, <laughs> you know, rope, rope. Um, and that's, that has stayed in the show since and that was way back i don't even remember what year it was before it went to good speed and then way before the muni and way before broadway so let's jump across to holiday inn yeah can you talk more a little bit more about the development of this the jump rope number it's when in the film live version from um studio 54 the crowd goes absolutely wild after that number it's like a a good minute or two of applause afterwards it's it was it's actually one of the most special times that i've had in my personal shows on on broadway or in in theater um because you can feel i remember that first night that you know because on our end we're nervous that they're gonna trip up you know because like (laughs) there's no there's no saving it especially the big rope i mean for broadway we did end up adding the individual ropes, which was like another iteration. Cause we were like, it was almost like a safety too. You're like, if the big rope were to ever fail, which we had a contingency plan, but if it was to, we have these that can surge forward and you just move on, you know what I mean? And cover them. You forget about it. <laughs> they never did. So. Wow. They, they were wonderful. I mean, those. those ever in the whole piece, run, they never tripped. I think once. That's amazing. <laughs> But we did a rope call before every show, all the individual ropes and that call every single show um, just to get into the routine of it. Because honestly, the pressure with those two guys on the side, because it's not like you're just roping, you're doing you're doing to certain counts and it hits the ground at a certain time. If one person's early, it's going to catch the heel. Like, And we did, you know, this numerous times. I mean, that I did not have to swing, but talk about that would be terrifying um (laughs) but you know yeah like i said it started with 
Dennis and I were like, what do we do? Like, we have Garland. Oh, Christmas Garland. We're thinking of things in that time. And we're like, what if we jump roped Garland? I was like, okay, I'm going to go get a rope. Gave me some, gave me a $20 bill. And I went down the street, got the rope. And this is, we didn't have the individual ropes at Goodspeed or at the Muni. And so, or were they at the Muni? I don't remember. Um, and they, we just started jumping around, seeing what worked. And we started coming up with different rhythms and different things and how you needed the the rope people needed to plie with them so that you could see their feet. And like, there, there were a lot of minute details, like when they needed to run in, when, you know, let's do two and let's have one run back in. And, um, and we kind of just like created this really special moment. Like it, it was, um, it, I knew that day at Lee Rehearsal, I was like, oh, we have something really special here. Um, and I hope it, I hope the world gets to see it. And cut to that night, I think it was first preview. It might have been opening. You're, you're always nervous. Every time I watch the number, no matter what, I'm nervous because I'm like, oh. But you feel it in the audience too because you're like, they're like, oh my gosh. No, they're not. No, they're not. Because like they, we spread it. They go up there. They're about to jump rope and tap dance. And you feel people sit up in their seats. I could feel it in Studio 54, especially in, in the orchestra and above when I would sit there. But like you feel them kind of raise up and sit to the edge because you're like your heart just starts to speed up, which is great because the reward at the end, once they finish that and they go into the other ropes and things, the, the energy of that number it was truly it's so special and like so rewarding because you know the audience just like loved it and it's like there's nothing but joy and you know in a number like that um and so yeah yeah does that answer that that's, that's I, mean, it's like, I wish i could go on and on about it i mean there's a lot of things about it I wish that uh, we were video recording because I wish listeners could see your face right now. It is just uh, beaming. <laughs> your- yeah, I mean, because it's it's one of those numbers that, like, I, I just thinking about it, and you kind of reminded me of it. You know, I, you know, it's been a couple of years now, but like, and you know, watching the the special on TV will be amazing, but the noise level of the cheers in person were like chills just like just thinking about it because like yeah i mean it's it's a, it's a very special number and it, it, it took a lot of iterations it took a lot of blood sweat and tears and a lot of figuring out especially once we dennis was like let's add some individual ropes and i was like okay so i just started with a jump rope and i started creating like a you know tap dance to these individual ropes and the whole next iteration was like how do we make these ropes look like garland but not mess them up because at the bottom, they have to kind of be weighted. Because mm-hmm. if they're just like not weighted at all, you can't control it. Right. So we, we would measure the ropes to the people with how you measure jump ropes. And we would test them all. And we would do all And like there's like garland and stuff flying everywhere at first. And we're like, okay, well, we need to go back to the drawing board and create something that will stay. And it's going to maintain. And everyone has their own individual rope. No one shares one because they're just so specific. The swings all need their own ropes everything and um yeah that's like it's it's uh that's the one thing like if people talk about holiday and they're like can you teach us the jump rope i'm like yeah it's uh it's hard yeah (laughs) it's very hard so it sounds like you were involved with holiday in like right from the very beginning yeah 
I've been there since we the first iteration of it like coming to life when the first I remember I forget what show Dennis and I were doing at the time because Dennis and I now have done over 40 shows together or projects and things like that and I was doing something and I was running rehearsal and he was like hey I have to go to this reading they want I'm potentially doing the holiday inn which we had known the director for a little while we had worked with him and they went and so I went to the next one or maybe I went to, I don't remember, maybe, maybe I went to it and he stayed at rehearsal. But I remember seeing a reading and I was like, oh, this is, you know, it's all those songs that you love and know. And like a lot of the songs have changed. So they brought in new ones once it got to New York. But yeah. It was yeah, with we, uh, Laura Benanti and yes. uh, Rob, McClure. Rob McClure. Yeah. Um, and who were amazing too, you know, like, and those have had iterations as far as cast and stuff too. Um, but I, I remember watching it and I was like, oh, this will be a special, special show for people. Cause a lot of people have so much, so many memories with those songs in general and whatever version, you know, and, um, yeah, then we kind of hit the ground running. Like we, I was, I was supposed to be in the Goodspeed production. So I went to Goodspeed, helped put it all up, but then I couldn't do it because I ended up, I mean, this is, this is a good thing. I ended up. <laughs> I was nervous be- for a second there. <laughs> getting in honeymoon in Vegas mm-hmm. and it was going to be my debut. So I was like, okay, well I'll come to Goodspeed still and set it all and help. Cause I had done all the work, um, which I was excited to be in. I was excited to do the show. Um, but then, you know, the cards didn't fall that way. And then, you know, they hired another associate for the time being to go to the Muni because I couldn't go to the Muni as well because of something. I don't remember what that was. And then it kind of all came back because when I went to Broadway, like I put in so much thought and time with the show that Dennis was like, I would love you to come back on board. And like, you know, it just seems fitting that we should do this together because we started it so long ago. The style of dance and tap in Holiday Inn. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, it's, that's classic Broadway. You know what I mean? That's, there's homage to Singing in the Rain. There's homage, like Dennis loves that kind of world too. Like he loved those movies and, um, you know, they're, you know, it has a modern spin to it because Dennis and I love Toast Stand and we love, you know, things that like you might not see in those movies. Um, and, and different spins on things. But yeah, it's, it's pretty classic Broadway. I mean, I love that kind of tap. I love all kinds of tap, but I definitely love the classic kind of, you know, you know, and there's a lot of things in those orchestrations and with those songs that if you've started like doing crazy things, you're like, oh, this doesn't fit. It's so there's a weird, it, 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 these don't mold, uh, melt well together. Um, so yeah, that we it's, it's pretty classic. And, and that's kind of where Dennis and I kind of live as far as tap in general. Um, so it kind of spoke well to us and um, felt natural to create all that. Yeah. You mentioned the individual jump ropes for people. When you do a Broadway show and a tap show, do dancers bring their own taps or do you just learn to do you... Um, like break in the taps provided by a costume? Um, you will get new taps for sure. Um, whether or not 
you know, like for Holiday Inn, I chose to lend mine to the show because I had some that were so broken in that I was like, we had a lot of issues with the deck being very slippery in that production. Um, So I was like, as a swing, I was like, I want to wear my own shoes. I know how they fit. I know what they feel like. You can paint them. They're crap anyway. So like, feel free to paint them. Feel free to do whatever you want. Um, And I know a lot of people did that, but we also still got the new shoes. You know what I mean? You would have the shoes already. They were fitted and you'd just be like, ah, these just really aren't working. I still have those shoes, the new ones, and I still wear them. Um, um, I teased tap class in them. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I only wore them a handful of times in the show. Um, so, yes, you would get, you would, everyone would get new shoes. And that's the norm. I mean, you wouldn't really have to offer your own. We just had to do that because the deck and we wanted people to feel safe and whatever. And they pay you and they rent your shoes from you and whatever it is. But um, yeah, you would, the norm would be to get your new shoes and, and break them in eventually, which takes some time. Like, yeah, it takes a lot of time. That's, that's hours of rehearsal right there. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> when did you find out that Holiday Inn was going to be filmed? We found out... I think it was like September, October. They were like, we're going to film this um, and it's going to be archives forever. And we were like, okay. And then you start to sweat because you're like, oh, the pressure. Like, what if the rope messes? I mean, they were probably going to do multiple recordings, but you're like, you only think like, you got to get that good shot. You know what I mean? And they had all these Also that it was being live streamed. (laughs) I know. Got re- and over. I was like, how many, you know, for the final cut, they would probably be like, oh, they're going to have versions. But for this one, like, I don't know. Um, there were so many cameras everywhere. It was like, um, it was exciting. I mean, once we found out, you know, it's it's also rewarding for genocide to have like a beautifully, they did so, such a good job. And the cameras. shots were amazing. And like, it's just filmed so well so to have that and to like be able to like sit and relive that you know and like how much went into creating one eight count is special it's nice yeah were there extra rehearsals before the filming i think there were some extra rehearsals just for like if there was something that was in a different shot we might need to like angle it differently but for the most part no for the most part it was like the show like we're gonna figure it out around you we're not going to come in here and like restructure everything. I mean, I think there were a few things, but for the most part, no, it was, it, they, they, I mean, they also have like, I forget how many cameras. I mean, I think there were four in the orchestra, three upstairs, like, and I think it's 14 some, total. Yeah. So it's like, they had some off stage things like that. So they caught a lot of things like, no, we didn't really, I, I, I don't, rem, I don't remember having to redo a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So no, like substantial elements of the production were changed for the cameras. No, no, that's that's wow. pretty much that's the that's the version. Yeah. yeah. Did you or Dennis get to work with the film crew about how those dances would be captured? Yes, I mean, I think there were definitely it's, it's like Macy's Parade or anything that you have to go into it and be like, so this is like you know end of easy to dance with the girls fall down and like it leads to Corbin or um, like what kind of, and and they were great about asking us like what angle would be best here. 
you want a wide shot for the ropes. You want, you know, how, you don't want to zoom in and miss the big rope. And they're thinking, you know what I mean? So like there were definitely, and they had seen the show leading up to that numerous times. So they knew their, their shot and what they, their angle was going to be and things like that. And I'm sure they have, I mean, they're brilliant. They know exactly what they're doing. So they didn't really need a lot of input from us because it was like, they know what they're doing. Like, yeah. David Horn has directed a thousand of these at this point. <laughs> yes. Like, they knew exactly what they were doing. So, mm-hmm. and you, and the proof is in the final product. I mean, it's, it's beautiful. It's stunning. Yeah. How are the tap sounds amplified? Um, well, a lot of the tap sounds, I can't, I, I know we, for the, I mean, I think, I mean, we had floor mics and then we also, a lot of the ensemble wore, not all of them, but wore tap mics that you would lead down. So you can't do everyone because it's just like super expensive. But I think half, at least half of the ensemble, I don't forget, I forget the full number, had tap mics that you wear. So it's just like a mic pack and you put it and they just lead down to your feet and you kind of, they, they secure them. Usually the women can kind of secure them in their tights, but um, for men, they secure them around the tap or around something. Um, and then there were, and you know, of course, Corbin or any soloist had them. And then we had floor mics as well to catch everyone else. Um, so I'm sure they would lead that through the feed. I don't know the logistics of that, but like they, they're pretty clear in there. They did it like that. They're, but you know, we that also on Broadway that came to like before they were even filming it, finding where the sound wasn't super tinny because a lot of those things can sound a little harsh and like mm-hmm. it sounds fake um, or pre-recorded, which the sounds weren't pre-recorded. I mean, they are for like an album and things like that, you know, of course, because like they're not taking the live feet. But um, yeah, they they we we eventually found it for the show in general, and then I think it it translated well to the the, the recording as well. It makes me have even deeper appreciation for what the sound designers are doing. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you hear it like raw, you're like, oh, this sounds terrible. But then once you hear it out, you're like, oh, that's great. They they really mixed this and like it's 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 sounds great. Yeah. That's really incredible. Do you think that filming stage shows in the way that Holiday Inn was filmed will change the way that shows like that are created or staged? Um, do I think it will change? You know, well, you know, like changing their staging for the purpose of being filmed. Well, if, if you know, post-pandemic, more shows become filmed, there's this kind of sense that, you know, Hamilton and so much has been made available online because of the pandemic. There's this like changing sense in the industry that maybe filmed live stuff uh, is viable and there's a market for it. Will that change how shows are created? I mean, I think it's a great tool to have. I think there's also, it makes it accessible to people that probably would never be able to see it. Or whether that be because they live across the world and they're not going to make it to New York anytime soon. Or the meat, probably is expensive too. So it's like, now it's at your doorstep, literally, you know, and you know, there's, there's another side of that, that, you know, it's, um, I don't know if, I think Broadway HD kind of had the pulse of this a while back. They had already done a few shows before Holiday Inn 
and you know you kind of see where you can have this library of these like pure like like the pure like form of this show that is just like so beautifully shot and you know they spend some money on this too it's not like they're just taking their iphone you know what i mean they're putting it all out there the crane there's all these things and like and i definitely think it will change you know it's also like what's happening with the pandemic when's theater coming back this is the only thing we can really kind of hold on to right now so i think to archive all these shows and and let future generations and musical theater lovers non-musical theater lovers just you know, whatever kind of witness and experience these things is important um a lot of us are starving for art right now you know like and i'm excited i was in the show and i'm excited to see holiday and on the screen you know just to relive it um so yeah i I definitely think i don't think it will necessarily change the way someone approaches putting a show or producing it because i think in hopes like if you produced a good show they're going to want to shoot it you know what i mean and you know it takes a lot of work to put these shows up, no matter what it is, no matter small, large, medium, whatever it is, it takes a, no matter what it is, it takes a lot of money. It takes a lot of work and to have it archived as a kind of this like perfect time capsule in a way, because eventually it will be, um, is, is special. And, you know, you can always go to Lincoln center and see those, but you know, they're, they're not shot like this. They're beautiful but they're not shot like this. Those are for archival purposes. And it's an, it's a great thing to go see, but these are like, you get to be there because you, you know, it's like, it's almost like you and I right now, I can see you, you can see them, you can see the reaction, you can see the things. So I think it'll definitely change the way the world gets to see musical theater. Um, Whether or not it changes a producer's perspective, I'm not sure. Mm. Very interesting. So we're going to wrap up here with some quick questions. Okay. You don't have to think about them too much. Whatever comes to mind, there are no wrong answers. All right. What is your favorite musical? Uh, Cabaret. Oh, interesting. What is your favorite, if you have one, filmed live musical? Holiday Inn. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> The product of a film, live musical, it's not exactly theater and it's not exactly a film. So what should we call it? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. Oh, that's a good question. Come back to me. Okay. <laughs> Where do I'm you stand? Person, so you're gonna come back. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you stand on bootlegs? Mm, well, I think with, you know, now with these things that are, I'm against bootlegs because one, it's very distracting because we can see them recording. And two, I just think it's, you know, it's like the music industry. It's like, you know, pirating music and all that stuff. It's, it's the exact same thing. A lot of money, a lot of work went into these creations of these shows and they should be done in the right way like Broadway HD, like the archival copies, like things, you know. And I think in all fairness, the actors should know, you know, like that's not, it's just not, it's not cool mm-hmm. in my opinion. What do you wish had been filmed? Oh, I mean, like everything, like Starlet Express. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, I'm sure there is a recording of it, but like this, like that they would nail it. Like 
Robert HD, please go to Germany and just make one of the Germany company. You know what I mean? Like, like <laughs> the, the, and the way they, the, these cameras move now and like the HD aspect, like it's just so thrilling. Yeah, so the, digital, the digital has changed everything. It's, you yeah. know, you could have a camera on a person's, uh, on a skater's body and have have yes. the camera follow the track. Yes. <laughs> I, I want uh, them to film the Vegas version with little 10-year-old you sitting in the I front know. row. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Oh, what boy. would you like to see filmed in the future? Um, I think if if they have the means and the producers have the means, they should film everything. I think we should start archiving literally every single musical. And, you know, just to have this at the fingertips of everyone, and including myself, like that you could go watch anything. I mean, of course, there's nothing that's ever going to replace live theater. There's that's that's just that's palpable. And like you can you're you're in there and you're feeling it. But these are pretty darn close, you know? So they should film everything. I could not agree more. (laughs) So Holiday Inn is available to stream on Broadway HD and also on PBS Passport. And uh, where can we find you online, Barry? I have a website, barrybusby.com. I don't know, I guess Google. (laughs) (laughs) Can we find you on Instagram or social media? Yes, my Instagram is at brbusby, and then yeah, that's that's my that's my social aspect. And yeah. would you like to give BB Studio a little plug? Oh yeah, my best friend Leslie Flesner and I at Les Flez has we've been started we've been you know since the pandemic started. I know Louisa can talk about it. We mm-hmm. started teaching um, just to get ourselves moving but also to if anyone wants to move and dance um we do now we started with five classes and now we have over 13 to 16 a week and um which includes one each week that's like original choreography and someone comes in from the show and teaches fun little steps from random shows not just random shows big girls hamilton <laughs> yeah, well you know random shows as in like we just choose randomly um, I see. <laughs> but yeah, major random shows i guess yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah come join us wonderful thank you so much barry oh my gosh thank you filmed live musicals is a labor of love and we'd like to thank everyone who makes it possible thank you to our patrons josh brandon mercedes esteban rachel esteban Jesse Rabinowitz and Brenda Goodman, Al Monaco, David and Catherine Rabinowitz, and Beck Twist for your support. If you'd like to support Filmed Live Musicals, please like and review on your podcast app. Find us on Twitter at Musicals on Screen and on Facebook at Filmed Live Musicals. If you'd like to support the site financially, you can find us at patreon.com forward slash musicals on screen. No matter what level you are able to pledge, you receive early access to written content and early access to this very podcast. Visit www.filmlivemusicals.com to learn more. Thanks for listening.